You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. to Andy Kirk through ball to Mark De Vries a chance for Hearts De Vries round the keeper and that's to the net Mark De Vries 2-2 Locomotive Leipzig Bayern Munich Slavia Prague Atletico Madrid and now you can add Rosenberg to the list of great European knights at Tynecastle. Hello everyone, Mark Donaldson alongside Scott McIntosh from Amoruso Let's It Run for Scarves Around the Funnel Make Some Noise. Now you can maybe hear with my voice, I wasn't even at the game, I was just shouting at an inanimate object, a television that contained what was a brilliant night from home, so I can't imagine what it was like to be there. Scott McIntosh is just off the number one bus. He's raced back from Tynecastle and he's going to tell us all about Hearts 3, Rosenberg 1 and what it was like as part of a wonderful heart support that really did make some noise. How are you? Yeah, very good, Mark. Thanks again for uh, for having me on. And yes, it, it was brilliant tonight. Uh, I decided to by a seat in the, the Gorgie Road end, which isn't where I normally sit, uh, but I was in section X, which is the end at the, uh, the sort of the section that the ultras are in, and I was just sort of a few rows up for them. So I got I got to sort of see close hand what they're all about as well at the home game. And I think probably before we go on to praise the, the players, the management and everything else that went well tonight, I think the ultras definitely deserve a huge thumbs up for mm. everyone because it was really good to see just how well organised they are, sort of pre-match in terms of getting the, the display in, uh, seeing how organised they are in terms of, you know, trying to G up the rest of the stand. I mean, that's been a family stand now for the best part of 25 years, even a little bit longer than that. So I think, you know, it, it is going to take a little bit of time to sort of, you know, get the atmosphere that they're wanting from that stand and it's going to be more of a challenge in your sort of you know, Sunday, for example, against Kilmarnock. But, I thought they'd done a great job uh, today, Partic. and Partic. We're, definitely we're getting got carried that away already. Dropping. We're getting yes. carried away. It's Partick Thistle on Sunday, and <laughs> I, I, I don't think that starting lineup against Partick will look anything like the starting lineup from this one. So let, let's have a look at the starting lineup from this game against Rosenberg. First of all, any surprises for you? So this is where I need to make a bit of an admission. Uh, I had a preferred starting eleven. I think for we all today. did. Okay. And it definitely didn't have Cammy Devlin in it. Uh, there's a there's a Toby Sibick in defensive midfield hill that I feel like I'm going to die alone on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is backing me up for it. Uh, but I had I had Sibick and Ewanhoff to start tonight. I knew it wouldn't happen, but that's what I would have wanted to have seen. 
Uh, I felt with Haring being out of the picture, we just need a, a bit more height in terms of defending set plays. Uh, and I just think Civic's good in that position. Uh, again, he doesn't see it that way. Obviously, the management don't see it that way. But I thought it was best to sort of uh, get that admission in early doors because uh, I definitely didn't have Cammy in my starting 11. I was going back and forward with with Laurie, with with Ryan, with Craig Gordon as well about about what team we were going to pick. Um, Denham was the the main kind of eyebrow raiser. I thought, I mean, for a for a kid who was basically told one of several was told in June find a new club, pal, because your future is not at heart. So he continued to train at Rickerton at the Orium in the hope just to keep fit that he could attract someone's glances. Um, didn't really work for me East 5, went on trial a couple of times, and then Hearts, Stephen Naismith called him and said, come back in. And he just he's worked so hard, he's done double sessions, he's been in the gym all the time, and he got his reward. I thought he was magnificent. What did you think? Yeah, I thought I thought he was really good tonight. There was one pass in particular at the start of the second half that he played at the back post for Barry Mackay, which unfortunately he didn't get the right connection on. Uh, but it just showed you the sort of vision and willingness to try something that we've kind of lacked sometimes from centre midfield over the last sort of year or two. Uh, I'm, I don't want to, I kind of don't want to look past tonight in terms of uh, Denham because I think it's a performance that maybe we just need to appreciate in isolation and maybe a few months down the line we'll be able to evaluate how much sort of long-term value he can bring to the team. Uh, but it's just a lovely story, like you were saying there, Isn't in it? terms of the fact that he was playing, you know, he's Playing for Berwick earlier on this calendar year, he was he was told by the previous sort of management team that he wasn't really in their plans, which again I can understand given you know how many midfield options we have. So for him to have his first start tonight uh, and play a huge part in a, in a winning performance is great, and it's a, a great story. And I think for me that's the main headline tonight. I think there'll be a time to properly analyse what he can offer us, but tonight he was excellent. Someone else who we really have missed and was excellent. He's only he only got sixty or sixty five minutes. That's all he was able to play in this in this comeback. Hopefully by the end of the month he'll be able to play ninety. But my God, we've missed Liam Boyce. Yeah, and and clearly Lauren Shanklin has as well. Uh, I think Shanklin just looks so much more engaged tonight yep. because there was someone willing to pull the centre halves out of their comfort zone, which creates space for somebody like Shanklin, who doesn't who isn't blessed with pace, but can play on the shoulder of centre-halves pretty well. You could see the difference he made to the whole team in, in that sort of first hour or so. Naturally, his legs just sort of gave up on him, uh, which, to be fair, it did on a lot of players on both sides. I think extra time would have been a struggle for both teams tonight if yes. it's happened. Uh, but yeah, another one who played a huge part and really just hope now he can get that monkey off his back and, and maybe grab a goal if he maybe gets even 20 or 30 minutes at the weekend. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel. Make some noise. Sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who've been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. And and that noise just it continued throughout. Whether it was late on, where the players were tired, but when Tagawa came on, the fans were were singing the tequila song. And I, yes, the the Gorgie Ultras were outstanding. But what happens when you've got someone that's making the noise and you've got something to cheer about? It's easy to get involved in the noise. It's always difficult to start a song, especially when they've got a, a bit of the ball as well. I thought they were much tidier with less of the ball when they had it. But I thought Hearts deserved the win. 
on the night. I really, really love their young kid, Nipan, in the middle of the park. I think he's outstanding. And I think I think we were slightly fortunate in that the Canadian left winger was was hurt. Their big striker didn't travel. Their captain went off injured as well. But it was one of those when it was 2-1, and we'll, we'll go through the goals in a second, but, but when it was 2-1 to Hearts, you, you honestly had no clue what way it was going to go. There was a spell. They had a lot of the ball. I thought they moved it around very well from, from back to front. And, and we were chasing a little bit because we were pretty tired at that stage. But I thought defensively, we were pretty solid tonight. And, and I thought we had two different types of threats. I thought we had the threat up until Boyce went off. And then a kind of different threat when, when Barry Mackay came on. Because in the first half for me, it's so good to see balls in the box, but it was coming in from the left. It was either Kingsley most of the time or Cochrane. And I thought that worked with one in front of the other. have to say, I didn't think the right-hand side worked in the first half. Atkinson with Oda in front of him. What do you think? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you in terms of, sort of how the game was sort of panning out at 2-1. It was definitely on a knife edge. And again, we, we've alluded to this in previous episodes, but... We're very one-paced when it comes to mm -hmm. the other team winning the ball yes. back in that transition. So we're very one-paced as an attacking threat in the second half after the second goal. But certainly when we were sort of, you know, uh, playing with our backs against their own goal and sort of trying to face the opposition, I felt that Atkinson in particular, and, and I'm going to assume that this was either through Kent or through the management, was very narrow tonight in a defensive situation. And it, it, they've just got so much space down that left-hand mm -hmm. side. And unfortunately, neither Mackay or Forrest or Oda really offered them much protection. And I felt like that's where a lot of their threat was coming. I felt that Kingsley and Cochrane done pretty well uh, in, in terms of sort of interchanging between sort of left-back and sort of left-wing. Uh, but the right-back the right back position, again, it just highlighted that sort of positional naivety that I think Atkinson has. And again, whether that's him whether it's Kent sort of asking them to sort of just, you know, come a bit closer to him, or it's potentially, you know, a, a result of the management reacting to last week because naturally their first goal came from an area in which I think they were trying to plug that with Atkinson, but it did leave gaping holes out wide left as well. Potentially a new signing. Um, Odi Ofaya was in attendance. Looks like that loan deal from Brighton could be done and dusted and wrapped up uh, before we face Partick Thistle in the League Cup this weekend. I've seen him, well, I've seen the highlights. It's easy to get on um, on YouTube and, and on Brighton's website as well. He played in an FA Cup tie and started as a right wing back. I, I, I think he'll provide good competition for Atkinson. Now, I, Atkinson's brave. Look, I get that. He's, he's, he's brave in possession. I still think positionally. And I don't want to pick on him because I think you made a good point. He got absolutely no support in front of him from, from a defensive um, perspective. Oda didn't offer much at all. And, and Atkinson was was isolated in that position that, that you mentioned. But I think for, for a fire to come in, uh, tall, again, Natty Atkinson's biggest strength is, is not defending set plays because of his height. So you're going to have that. And it'll be interesting to see going forward if it will be Natty Atkinson or if it will be Ophaya who'll play at right back. Okay, to the goals. Thorvaldson, the opening goal after just five minutes. Defensively again, all at sea. It was a good first save, really good first save from Xander. Could he have done better with the second one? 
No, no. To, okay. to, to be fair, I'm I'm gonna lay the blame more at the the lack of sort of reaction from the the men in front of him in a maroon jersey rather than him. I felt he, he'd done an okay job to try and keep the second one out as well. He did have an incident later on in the first half, which he was definitely culpable for, where mm-hmm. he almost sort of suffered from Weetabix wrists, where he, he just sort of just flapped at the ball and pushed out to the edge of the six-yard box uh, when the game was at one each. But I felt for that goal, I felt he'd done everything he could. Rosenberg had clearly sort of scouted us well. They'd obviously been watching how we'd been approaching defending set plays since the start of the season. And what they'd done, which was quite clever, was they tend to overload three or four players at the back. And we didn't really react to that. We still had our three or four players across the edge of the six-yard box. And again, you kind of want someone to make that decision on the park. Sometimes management can't see everything. And sometimes you need a leader, whether it's Kent, whether it's Rolls, to make that decision to say, look, they've got the run-up on us at the back post here. We've got to make a decision and decide to go man for man. So there's still some teething issues with that system just now. And I think the first half in particular tonight highlighted that. But in terms of Clark, done everything he could for that goal, but it was it was obviously you know a, a signal because you really didn't want that uh, in terms of sort of getting the fans sort of up for the game and, and, and also the players' confidence as well. You've two choices now. You can chuck it to say, well, that's it, 3-1 down. But we didn't. And I don't think we were ever going to do that because they were eminently beatable. And the good thing was we had 85 minutes to try and get back into it. And the even better thing was we were back on level terms in just 13 minutes. But we could have gone ahead after 13 minutes if Oda had either scored or laid it off better. I think it was Boyce in the middle of the park just before Shanklin scored. So what was your take on, on Hart's first good chance of the night? And then the through ball, which Shanklin's run, is just phenomenal. And you know what? To take that first time and to chip and to have that awareness, that was a sensational goal. Yeah, I, I mean, Oda's effort wasn't bad. But like you say, he, he just needs to learn to sort of lift his head. And that was something we mentioned last week when we were talking about bringing others into the game. He still has a tendency to play with his head down. Given his age, certainly something that the team can work on him with. But that's why I'm glad that we've got other options, Mackay coming back, uh, Vargas as well, because I do think that there's a certain degree of game management that needs to be involved with Oda in terms of you know, yeah. giving him a couple of games rest, bringing him back in and sort of trying to use him more as an impact player this year mm-hmm. rather than someone that you're relying upon week in, week out. In terms of Shankland, he, he took his goal so well. What I really loved about the goal was the fact that given the angle he was at, I think most players would have tried playing the ball into that sort of far corner and maybe would have tried opening their body up but he just had the you know the presence of mind to just sort of lift it up over the keeper and sort of play it into that near post instead it was a superb finish great finish it was indeed a great tempo to the game super noise Denham maybe was slightly fortunate to only pick up a yellow if that was Willie Collum he would have been sent off thank goodness Willie Collum doesn't referee Scottish teams in Europe, Cochrane also going into the book. Pereira for them before that. Wasn't impressed by the referee tonight. Um, yeah. F-U-X-M-A-N. Laurie Dunsar messaged me before the game and said, how do I pronounce that? I'll tell you how you pronounce that now. <laughs> Fucks, man. What was that all about? Anyway, thankfully, he didn't have a big impact on how things went. So, halftime at Tynecastle. It was Hearts 1, Rosenberg 1 on aggregate 3-2 to the Norwegians. And it's halftime in Around the Funnel, make some noise. And a word from our sponsors, 
Marshalls, the Junkie Jukun. No, not them. This lot. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Marshalls, the Junkie Chicken Champions. Marshalls, the Junkie Chicken Champions. Marshalls, the Junkie Chicken Champions. Did that take you back? That take you back to the old column Chisholm and Glasgow Hearts and the Heart Song and Marshall's Chunky Chicken on the B side. Henry Smith, Walter Kidd. Remember that one, Scott? I do. Uh, unfortunately, I've actually, I'm pretty sure I've got one or two of the video clips uh, that BBC yes. News ran yes. lead up to the 86 <laughs> Cup final. Uh, it's one that you tend to go back to because it's great just looking at the faces right. of the players when they've obviously clearly been taken hostage and putting that radio, uh, that sort of sound recording booth for a couple of hours. I think you've been taking a couple of bottles of whiskey as well to try and get them smiling and whatever. But <laughs> th thankfully, I think a few bottles of whiskey were required with the second half because five minutes in, Cammy Devlin with the goal. Now, I have watched untold replays of this, and I'm sure once you get the chance, as I said earlier, you're just in from Tynecastle. Once you get the chance to settle down and watch the highlights, every replay I've seen of this goal, I think he's still going to miss. Yeah, I mean, the angle I've got at the time in live action, I'm thinking, my God, how close was he to missing that? I have been reliably informed <laughs> by other people who got a better view than I did, oh, that, that he was... just clearly knew what he was doing. Oh, no, but, no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'll need to watch it back, obviously, but hey-ho, it went in, I suppose, which is the main thing. Okay, tell me the difference between hearts. We've spoken a lot, you and I, and me and Laurie and Ryan and Craig, on the podcast this season about hearts before the hour is up or up to the hour and then the last kind of 20, 30 minutes. Tell me the difference that you saw in Hart's performance once Liam Boyce went off in the 66th minute, part of a double change that saw Forrest and Tagawa come on for Boyce and Denham, and Mackay was already on for Oda at halftime. I felt that both teams definitely suffered from a bit of mental and physical fatigue going into the last half an hour. There was probably that that sort of knowledge that the next goal would probably win it and be so crucial in the tie as well. So there seemed to be a little bit of reluctance. There was a bit of hesitance sometimes. I felt that with our press in the second half, we were kind of undecided whether to press or not. And then there was occasions where one player would press, but the rest wouldn't. And it just it didn't really function well in terms of our press in the final third. It didn't really help when Tagawa and Forrest came on. They didn't really have a huge impact on the game. Uh, naturally, the, it was a bit of freshening up in terms of legs, but as an attacking force, didn't really offer a lot. Uh, I mean, I'm, if I'm honest, I think it's great that we managed to get that winning goal as late as we did because extra time would have been a struggle for both teams. I think it would have been akin to watching that classic episode of Escape from Victory from Father Ted. It definitely would <laughs> have over 75s, five-a-side stuff uh, because everyone was struggling. There was very few players that looked capable of you know, putting in another half an hour shift. So, mm. you know, the, the timing of the third goal was great. But but yeah, it was it was a 
weird second half. I felt like after that second goal, you would have thought that we would have got into the ascendancy and we would have sort of peppered their goal with mm-hmm. a few efforts, but it never really happened. Uh, they actually controlled the game reasonably well after we scored, I felt. Uh, Maypan got on the ball. I'm going to be completely honest. I, I wasn't overly impressed with him last week, but I was certainly impressed with him this week. I thought he had a far better game uh, and I thought he looked a real cracking player. Uh we probably could have done with getting maybe Dave McCreary or somebody <laughs> a time machine to just see him in the first five minutes. But yeah. but hey ho, football isn't played that way now. Uh, no, remember, but, but remember yeah. when we played Red Star and Pasquale Bruno was basically told that's your yes. boy. If he goes for a shit, wipe his arse. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, we could have maybe done with that type of player first five, ten minutes, maybe just to sort of give Nepan just a, a, a bit of a sort of welcome to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a great match, but yeah, second half, I thought they were starting to manage the game reasonably well. Yep. Not just in possession, but I also felt that they were quite streetwise in terms yes. of winning fouls. The referee was poor tonight, but I felt that they handled the referee better than we did. Mm-hmm. We were still looking for fouls when it was clear it wasn't going to happen. Sometimes you've just got to play to the whistle. There was occasions where, I think there was one in the second half where I got really annoyed with Shanklin because he, he sort of handed the ball back to the Rosenberg player in a yes, position he where he could then take the free kick 10 mm-hmm. yards away from where he should. And I'm thinking, throw it over his head. Don't yeah, think, and he, he then points to the referees if to say he's yeah. it from the wrong place. And it's like, oh, you gave him it. Yeah, just be a bit nastier than that, you know, mm-hmm. just a bit more streetwise. I mean, that's just, that is certainly nitpicking on a night where we've done really well. But yeah, yeah. That, and that is certainly something that you can't shy away from. The second half didn't really go the way that you felt it would have done, given that we'd got the second goal so early on. I think it's it's, it's a great um, case study, this game, uh, to learn from going forward. And it's, it's, it's great to learn from, from a game in which you, you've won. Um, I was actually looking at uh, Svera Nipan on transfermarket.com. And I'm sure there's a lot of listeners uh, to this podcast that remember when Hearts went to Prague, having been eliminated from the Champions League qualifiers by Ike Athens in 2006, UEFA Cup first round, we played uh, Sparta Prague, lost 2-0 at home, drew 0-0 away. That was at the end of September 2006. Six weeks after that game, Svera Nipan was born. I mean, he's 16 years old. So on transfermarket.com, it's got a, a, a transfer value. And again, it's all subjective. It's got a transfer value for him. He's a Norwegian under-17 international at 900 grand. I tell you what, I, I think for the for the type of team that Hearts are, as most clubs are, he's a type of Brighton signing. For If Brighton saw that game and they, they've been keeping tabs on him, then that's nothing for them and they could make a fortune. So why can't Hearts, if you could get him for, for a million, just under a million, I think you could make a lot of money on a player like that. That that's just a by the by. That's just I was very impressed by him. Not not everyone that plays well against you is a really good player. I remember Vosko Boynikov, who played for the Estonians against Hearts when we beat him, was was a handful for us, but you wouldn't sign him. But Sveranipan was was absolutely outstanding. Okay, so we're we're drifting into added time. Seven minutes go up, and then we score. And Tynecastle is just utter bedlam. Second minute of added time. It's a wonderful one-two by Devlin to Shankland. That tongue is firmly ensconced in the side of my cheek. The first effort was horrific, but Shankland does really well. And the second effort, who knows where it's going, until it hits their defender and it ends up in the back of the net. And you know what? I was so pleased for Cammy. Absolutely delighted for him. 
two goals. He'll probably never score two goals in his in his life again in, in, in the same game. And that might be a career highlight for him. But when we needed someone to step up, we finally got that little bit of luck. Whether we deserved it, you make your own luck. What was the atmosphere like? Compare it, for those of us who weren't there, compare the noise level when Devlin scores in added time to something similar when previous goals have gone in. I think for me, that'll be the game that, you know, a new generation will look back on with the same fondness that, that we tend to when it comes to looking at the, you know, the Slavia Prague and the Madrid and the Stuttgart games. I think in terms of, you know, we think Castle in a midweek game. If the team are playing well, if they're getting a result, the fans are always more than happy to sort of add a bit of atmosphere to it. The timing of the goal was brilliant. Probably the goal scorer adds that little bit in there because for all his faults, he, he is a cult hero amongst the support. Yes. I think, yes. you know, I think every fan, even fans that have maybe not been overly impressed with his form recently, we all want him to do well because he's that type of infectious character and, you know, he always comes across like a really nice guy as well when he's getting interviewed. I was actually, I was listening to his BBC interview yes, uh, going into the game. Shouldn't he? <laughs> and he was so, like, just so positive about everything, you know, they were talking to him about his own experience about the women's game in Australia the last couple of weeks and that. And you can see why he's probably quite a, you know, a really popular player in the dressing room and with the fans as well. So it was great to see him score, but it, it was one of those classic you know, you won't win the lottery unless you buy a ticket. And for too long, we've seen Hearts teams the last two or three years probably take an extra touch or go for an extra pass in that situation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, especially in added, added time in a match, just swing a foot and just see what happens, you know. And, and, and luckily it came off for us. And I think that was the luck that he deserved. And I think it's the luck that we probably just about deserved for our game tonight as well. I think over the piece of the two legs, we just about done enough. Well, we always mention that Stuttgart game. We mention the Gordon Petrich chance, and it's always that kind of hard luck story. Even going back, John Cahoon in Munich, coming so close to getting that vital away goal that might have meant Maradona coming to Tank Castle in the semi-final. There's always been that one thing that's happened, whether it's recently in the, in the Zurich game, the George Grant sending off, which was self-inflicted, I, I get, um, but there seems to be the kind of sliding doors moment, that, that one thing that went against us. So how nice is it to be sitting here talking about something that's actually gone for us? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And like you mentioned, we could probably, you know, list countless examples of when we maybe haven't quite had our luck or we've created our own bad luck. You mentioned there the Zurich game, you know, where it's just individual sort of moments of madness. Uh, that see a very winnable game turn into a game that we ultimately just sort of, you know, don't win uh, and just sort of fall short of. Uh, tonight, again, I, I think a lot of it is looking at it in isolation. I think what tonight represents is not a sort of long-term sort of observation of how that team's going to look. I, I doubt very much that you're going to see a midfield of Denham, Devlin, Cochrane and Oda too often this season. Mm -hmm. But I think in isolation, they got the job done all the players deserve credit. Everyone, you know, made an impression. I thought that Frankie Kent done really well. I thought he had a really ropey first 15, 20 minutes. He was very overzealous in giving away the, the free kick that led to the uh, the first goal. But I thought he really came on leaps and bounds and he'd done what he was good at again. It was that bread and butter defending that we've brought him in to do. And Rolls, again, you know, came on to a game uh, the longer it went on. Kingsley as well, that's been one of his better games, uh, you know, over the last few months. 
So again, I think everyone, you know, made a huge contribution and they all deserve, uh, you know, uh, great credit for it because that's that's a result that not just helps in terms of, it gives us a, a bit of extra revenue in terms of playing another couple of European ties, potential TV money, but also it just gets that momentum swing back in our favour for Sunday. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the atmosphere on Sunday wouldn't have been that great if we'd, if we'd, even if we'd just sort of went out, you know, on penalties or extra time tonight. So it definitely gets the momentum shift back in our favour after a, a pretty sort of turgid display against Kilmarnock uh, on Sunday. So it's really vital that we, we got that result. With, you know, Shanklin back on the goals, Boyce starting a game, Denham making a contribution. So it's a case of now trying to find out, you know, how we can fix this sort of issue around pace, because I think that's probably the biggest issue we've got now. It's how we integrate Vargas and Tagawa and Lowry into our system, uh, either together or, you know, drip feeding them into the team, because that's still a problem for us, you know, in terms of hitting teams hard, doing what we were doing towards the end of last season with Ginelli as the main focal point. That's probably what they're going to have to work on uh, over the coming weeks. So there were six teams that take the coefficient of their opponents after beating a higher-ranked side. Hearts were one of them. They beat Rosenberg. Adana Demirspor beat MK Osiek. FC Norseeland beat FCSB, which is Stade Bucharest. FC Arauca were beaten by SK Brandbergen. Levski Sofia beat Hapoel Beersheba. And Spartak Ternava beat Lech Poznan. So next up, it's Pauk. Now, on my Twitter account, at Donaldson ESPN, there's a, a link to the highlights from Pauk's victory over Hajduk Split. I would heartily recommend taking a look at them because you wondered which team Pauk were initially. They could have been three or four goals down before they scored. They've got pace to burn and talent in attack, but Hajduk Split could easily have scored several goals in that game. So if you want to see that at Donaldson ESPN, there's a link to the Pauk website that shows you the goals they're going to be favorites the first leg will be at Tynecastle. hibernian have confirmed that they're now playing aston villa at home on the wednesday they will then travel to birmingham the following thursday hearts will be at home as scheduled on thursday against Pauk, and then travel to thessaloniki the following week it is what it is would we have preferred second leg at home probably what would be a good result against Powell at home on Thursday to take to Thessaloniki? I think you've got to keep a clean sheet, first and foremost. If we can nick a goal, then great. You know, maybe taking a one-goal lead over there would be ideal. But like you mentioned, I think in terms of the style of play we're going to be up against, I think it's going to be possibly similar to Rosenberg. You know, once they've maybe scouted us and done a bit of research, they'll potentially see that there's an opportunity to you know, win back the ball quickly from us and hit us on the break. And like you say, with that pace that they're blessed with in the final third, that's probably going to be their biggest weapon. Again, attacking's probably going to be their best form of defending because they clearly don't look overly clever at the back as well. I haven't got around to seeing the second leg highlight shit, but I've seen bits and pieces of some of their league games and certainly they don't look too clever. Uh, so there is going to be opportunities for us next week, but I just it might just be too much of an ask. But we'll see how it goes. I think this one's more of a free hit than Rosenberg. I think with Rosenberg, given their league form and given the fact that they, they struggled against Crusaders, 
the optics were that although they were still favourites, I think some fans really fancied their chances. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think next week it might be viewed a bit more of a free hit, especially yeah. given what the, the team have given the fans this evening. I think you've summed that up well. Tonight, if we hadn't gone through, I was kind of thinking about how am I going to start if we do and if we don't, and then thought, don't, let's just find out and then decide. I was going to say that hurts because that was one that got away and that's one we should have won. Because if we'd gone out, we would have been kicking ourselves at losing to, to Rosenberg. And forget the name, forget the Champions League or whatever. From what we saw over two legs, you would think that Hearts should be beating a team of that calibre. Now we're going to be big underdogs against Paok. And it's funny because, you know, first leg away from home, second leg at home might be preferable in fact, in terms of kind of getting them at home for the second leg. But they would they would come to Tynecastle for the second leg if that was the way it was, knowing what they had to do and hitting on the counter and whatever. I'll be intrigued to see what, what they do. I mean, it was nil-nil and split. They had the first leg away from home like they will have in this one. Um, and they were they were pretty cagey. It was like, look, if we can get nil-nil, we'll take that and we'll, we'll take them back to Greece and we're, we're confident we can beat them. So I think you'll see a different Pauk side at Tynecastle on Thursday than you would have done perhaps, Scott, if it was the second leg that was at Tynecastle. The psychology, I think, is always intriguing to me as well yes. whenever we play a new opponent because you're, you're not quite sure just how much value or cachet these clubs are given to the conference. You know, are they more preoccupied with league priorities? Are they potentially not seeing the potential prize money going into the conference league? Does that just feel like it's a bit of a hindrance to them? If you're a team who get in Europe every year, are you maybe not as bothered if you if you go out early rounds? So mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, culturally and, 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 and sort of from a psychological point of view, it'll be interesting to see just how much they want it. And I think if we can approach the game with the right attitude, we'll give ourselves a chance. And I'm actually quite happy that we're at home first because we'll at least hopefully then give ourselves a fighting chance, giving ourselves something to hold on to in the second leg. Plus, they haven't played a league game yet. Their first league game yeah. is on Sunday at home to Asteras Tripolis. So we're going to be the side that's had more action. Now, granted, they did play Betar Jerusalem. They drew 0-0 with them, 1-4-1 in Israel. They then drew 0-0 and split, 1-3-0 at home. So we've seen the kind of good, the bad, and the ugly so far from them. They, they played a few friendlies. So they'll have had four European ties. This will be our third European tie, plus the the League Cup tie and the Premier League games that we'll have played, Premiership games. So, yeah, fascinating stuff. Home at Tynecastle on Thursday night. Everything crossed for that one. I'm looking ahead to that one. Before we go, though, we have a League Cup tie, and I know Laurie's desperate to get this edited and get off to bed because he's up early tomorrow morning. I just need a prediction for Partick Thistle because it's likely to be a very changed side in the League Cup on Sunday. What you got? So Partick are an interesting team. They've got a lot of threat, but they're they're really bad at the back. Like they they leave gaping holes. They they want to entertain, but they certainly are susceptible to you know getting hit on the break themselves. I would be I would be quite optimistic that we'll get at least two or three on Sunday. We may lose a goal though uh, because they do have a threat. Uh, and Brian Graham, especially from set plays, will offer a bit of a threat for them. But I do think we should see it out comfortably, albeit with a, a 
a, a very changed lineup. I'd be surprised if there's less than five or six changes from tonight's team. Yeah, I'll be freshening it up. You got a goal scorer for us? Oh, uh, let's put Boyce down for one. Boyce will definitely get one, and okay. let's say let's say Ken will get one as well. Okay, I'm going to go two on Hearts. Alex Lowry to be among the goals. Well, we've waited a long time for a wonderful night at Tyne Castle. Yes, Stuttgart was a great night, but ultimately we went out. We needed a good night and we needed something that would see us through. Atletico Madrid was a great night as well, but ultimately we went out. You probably have to go back to Slavia Prague for the last time that Hearts had a night that they performed, as did the crowd, and they went through. And you have to go back to Bayern Munich for the last time as many people saw a European tie at Tynecastle, as they did against Rosenberg. As always, thanks to our sponsors. We will do it all again on Monday or Tuesday next week, recapping the game against Partick in the League Cup and looking ahead to whoever the hell we play after that. Tonight, it's all about victory and Europe. Sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, this has been Scarves Around the Funnel. Make some noise, and boys and girls, that's exactly what you did. Thank you so much, and bye for now.